from the offices of Cocktail Collective. This is Cocktails Distilled, a podcast that takes your favorite spirits and liqueurs from the still to the cocktail glass. In each episode, we talk to distillers and creators about particular expressions that their brand have released, what they are, why they were created, and in what cocktails they can be used. Are you ready to understand what's in your glass, or perhaps should be? Welcome to Cocktails Distilled. The City of London Distillery opened in 2012 and was the first gin distillery in the English capital in over 200 years. Through their gins, they have not only explored a variety of gin styles, but also the history of gin making in the city itself. Starting with a pair of 200-litre copper stills named Clarissa and Jennifer, after the two fat ladies of the BBC food show, the distillery has gone on to win awards and show the variety of expressions that micro-distilling can produce. We talked to Joe Brayford, the brand ambassador for City of London Distillery, about the distillery itself, their range, and in particular their Six Bells expressions, and of course what cocktails you can make with it. Joe, there hadn't been a distillery in London in nearly two centuries. What made you guys think to open one? So for us, we're, it was the first distillery for 187 years. Um, our founder, Jonathan Clark, had worked in the building uh, since 1976. So he went on to manage the bar that was here before and eventually own the, the building itself. Um, but it was sort of 2009, um, the law that was overturned that regulated the, the minimum size of still for gin production in London. The really kind of big moment that opened the floodgates for small craft distilleries like us to start opening up. But before that, they kind of open around the outskirts of London. It's, it's very expensive. It's quite difficult. Land isn't easy to come by in yeah. the centre of London, the yeah. city. Um, but Jonathan, having this space, he, he looked at it and sort of what he decided was actually he could bring gin distillation, particularly kind of more traditional styles of gin distillation, back to where they were born. So back to where this first gin craze happened and back to where early gins were kind of developed and created and had not existed for nearly 200 years. So for him, it was really about reviving something that had, uh, had disappeared from its home. Right. And from what I understand, there were a lot of gin distilleries around this area. Yeah, so it's a huge amount. There's a lot of kind of numbers and figures thrown around, but there's, there's one that always kind of sticks with me that they estimate one in every four buildings in the city of London was either producing or selling or distilling or compounding gin. Wow. Um, and this would have been what in the 1700s yeah. when it was at its peak? This was 1700s in, in the midst of the kind of gin craze. So it's really an, an enormous, enormous place for gin and it's, it's where the history was born. And now we're still the only distillery existing today. So it's pretty exciting for us. Oh, okay. Within the, within the one mile? Yeah. yeah okay. So we're the only one in the square mile still. Oh, that's exciting. Okay. Why did he choose to call it City of London? I think there's, there's a big thing with gin and in this whole kind of modern gin revival we're going through, I think the idea of kind of location, a lot of kind of towns, a lot of cities will have a gin named after them that's key to that area. So for us being the only distillery in the city of London itself and in where it was born, it was, it was great for us to be able to put that on the bottle. You can see on our bottle as well, we use the, the official city of London crest. So that is the actual same crest used by the corporation of the city of London. And in turn, we, we work with them whenever we can. Right, okay. So, so it was sort of right time, right place, so to speak, with... Yeah, I think so. I think it was, it was good timing. It was, it was the right, right place. It was also, I think, a very good idea. I think that was a big thing for us is we came around at 
towards the the beginning of this big gym revival yeah. we got in quite early and really did put out a very good product and it was reviving that kind of traditional style but also a big thing for us from the beginning was looking forward and looking how we can kind of modernize these classic styles so falling into that it was very good timing i think we we caught on to it right okay and logistically i mean how difficult is it to i mean being where you are in terms of things like storage and stills and and it's yeah it's not not easy at all i mean people come down here they're always very shocked at how small the actual distillery is the the room that houses the stills is tiny and people their assumption is that we have this huge space in the back and we have a massive warehouse where we store everything and there's a space where lorries can get in and deliver everything and it's it's really not the case so when we opened up we had to get two 200 liter stills down into a basement we now have a 500 liter still we have weekly deliveries of thousand liter containers of alcohol but the door that you come into the still in it's it's a normal size maybe even slightly small double door that goes down a narrow staircase so the only way for us to get anything in is we have a trap door that's about a 12 foot high drop and a forklift that lowers things in um, oh for heaven's sakes okay so yeah. we've, we've kind of worked around it it's always a little bit exciting a little bit terrifying to see a thousand liters of gin being raised up by a forklift onto a sort of back alley off fleet street um but it's it's another thing that i think really adds to the charm of the place it's yeah it's the way things were when people were first producing gin and it was in basements it was in bars it yeah. was in people's homes so for us it, it raised a lot of troubles we don't have a lot of storage space we have to be very kind of careful with how we work everything but also it's part of the charm is part of the character of the the distillery right okay do you bottle here as well uh we don't know we did when we first started we then moved to a slightly larger site in wessex just for the bottling and storage now being part of halewood has given us the scope for them to bottle up in liverpool in their plant and it means that we can really kind of focus on distillation and production here and then they can deal with the bottling right. and the labeling. oh so that's why you've got later yeah so we out, yeah. we bring it in in, a, in large containers, we still it, we produce the gin, and then it gets sent to them for the bottling. Right, okay, cool. Talking about the fact that you're a small batch distiller, do you think that the small batch distillers have really changed the nature of what gin is today? I think... Over I, the last, you know, sort of eight, eight, five to eight years. I think absolutely, Um I mean, kind of going back before this happened, it was your, your options for gin were, were very limited to the kind of very big producer, very few. Um, I think just having so many kind of small distilleries and craft distilleries open up, it's one, given people so many more options, it's really opened up the kind of uh, scope of what gins you can get. And secondly, I think it's really driven innovation. People are trying new things and really people are experimenting with botanicals, they're experimenting with kind of methods of distillation they're experimenting with how they can use botanicals and it's also driven the kind of bigger distilleries to do the same i think it's great to see tiny very small craft distilleries alongside huge distilleries equally experimenting with with where the category can go and what have you guys done particularly in terms of experimentation since you opened i think we've always from the beginning, from, from day one, the, the concept was that we wanted to take traditional and kind of historic styles and modernize them a little bit. We were right. never wanting to straight up just kind of recreate. So things like our old Tom and our square mile are perfect examples because it's taking these old styles and these traditional practices, but adding something new. So the square mile, 
the addition of kind of fresh citrus and making it a little bit more kind of uplifting. It's quite bright. It's catered to modern palates. As, as the kind of uh, taste for gin has changed, these ideas of kind of flavored gins are coming in more and more. We've not changed how we do things, but we've adapted to how, how we produce. We've adapted to what people want. To look at producing these kind of flavor gin styles, but in our more traditional, more classic style of production. Now, you mentioned a square mile. Can you quickly run through the range of gins that you, that you do make? Yeah, of course. So we, we have eight in our portfolio now. So we started off in 2012 with what we call our authentic dry. Um, it's seven botanicals and it really kind of encapsulates that idea of tradition with a little kind of update for modern palettes. So it's the base five botanicals of it are very, very classic. It's got juniper, it's got coriander seed, it's got licorice root, angelica root, and then dried orange peel. So that gives it this really nice, very traditional base. And then the use of fresh citrus in there um, is where we kind of bring it a little bit forward and make it a bit more modern. So we have fresh peeled lemon and fresh peeled grapefruit. So rather than using dried, fresh peeled gives this much more kind of oily, much brighter, much fresher flavor. Mm. Um, The grapefruit brings a little bit of sweetness. The lemon brings a bit of kind of brightness and it's very well balanced. It's a very kind of refreshing, very good classic gin. This one of kind of late ones we launched was the Christopher Wren and it removes the fresh citrus. It's just those base five botanicals. Right, okay. So it's something we worked on with Tom Nichol from uh, Tanqueray, who's the master distiller of Tanqueray. And the idea was to produce something very, very traditional. So yeah. it's five botanicals, it's very bold, it's a little bit more kind of woody and earthy than the authentic dry. It's got this nice kind of marmalade orange note from the dried orange, but it's also a great example of how five botanicals and a very simple botanical makeup can actually be very complex. It can be very layered and it can mm, be, okay. have a lot of depth to it. The square mile is our kind of top end, it's higher ABV, it's 47.3%. has the same botanicals as the authentic dry, so it has those same base five and it has the fresh citrus. But the difference is we change the ratios around. So the citrus has a bit more kind of emphasis from the coriander seed and from the dried orange. It has a little bit more kind of richness and a little bit more of a classic citrus profile and a little bit less of that bright, fresh citrus. We also have an old Tom, the old Tom's super exciting it's a bit of an older style it's got a little bit more of a kind of spice lead profile there's some cassia bark in there and it has a real sort of small touch of sugar so it's really rounded it's quite soft it's very um sippable it makes kind of great classic cocktails very warming quite wintry Mm. um we also have a slow gin our slow gin is kind of as traditional as slow gin can be made it's macerated for about sort of six to nine months. There's no recipe written down for it. It's very much, we take our authentic dry, we take it at still strength, so 84.5% ABV. Right. We fill it with slowberries, um, and from there it is taste and it's smell and it's stirring okay. it by hand. And then when we think it's ready, it's taking it out and it's sweetening it to taste. Um, we, we don't have a recipe. It depends what slowberries we get that year. They might be a bit more tart. They might be a bit right. more sweet. Of course. It's very much a kind of, handmade labor of love um, but the end product is a really classic very traditional slightly drier slow gin then we have our three kind of most recent releases which is where we move into this more idea of a kind of contemporary style of gin but with a more traditional practice for making it so we have our six bells which is a kind of lemon forward gin um, it's still traditional it's still juniper forward it's still a dry gin we don't add sugar we don't have flavorings yeah. But we use distillation, we use, uh, for the six bells, we use vacuum distillation alongside traditional pot distillation to really kind of emphasize that lemon flavor. Right, okay. 
We also have our Mercian Orange Gym, which kind of works a bit of an opposite to the Six Bells. The Six Bells is very fresh, it's very bright, there's lots of oily kind of sherbetty lemon. The Orange, again, it's a London Dry, um, it's a classic style gin, but it has this really big kind of caramelized, marmalade very rounded orange. There's a little bit of spice in there, there's some cardamom, some cassia. So you end up with this very warming, quite kind of wintry style gin. And then last we have our Rhubarb and Rose, it's our most recent release, and again it's a London Dry. So we wanted to explore this category of kind of rhubarb gins that are becoming hugely, hugely popular. Right, very yeah. much do it in our own way. Um, so we use fresh raw rhubarb and we distill it in the pot along with our other botanicals. We also have some in our basket for kind of vapour infusion for some slightly softer notes along with some rose. And what you end up with, it's, it's very delicate. It's not as kind of forwardly rhubarb flavour as a lot on the market. It's a bit softer. It's a bit more kind of balanced um, against the juniper. But particularly when you add some tonic, um, it really kind of opens up and you get a lot more of that kind of cooked, stewed, like nicely fruity rhubarb. And then you get a lovely kind of top note from the rose, this floral kind of finish to it. Um, for us, it's really exciting because it's, it's very balanced. It's very interesting, but it also appeals to these kind of modern, um, more flavoured styles of gins. With the five bells, you were talking about the distillation. Do you want to go into a little bit more detail about that? Yeah, of course. So we use two different types of distillation for it. So the first one is our traditional pot distillation. The second one that we use, which is, it's called vacuum distillation. And the reason we use it is because we get flavours from it that you can't get through traditional pot distillation. So So how how does vacuum distillation work? So uh, vacuum distillation, rather than uh, traditional pot distillation, we use a lot of heat. So you'll heat the botanicals, uh, you'll heat the the alcohol to kind of 80 degrees plus because what you want to do is evaporate the the alcohol but not the water. Um, Vacuum distillation uses pressure rather than heat. So by putting the environment into a vacuum by lowering the pressure, what you do is lower the boiling point. So instead of distilling at 80, 90 degrees, we're able to distill at 20 degrees. Okay. So for something like fresh lemon peel, it makes a huge difference because you're not cooking it, you're not changing the flavour, you're not altering it. It really is a kind of pure representation of fresh lemon peel. The smell on it is exactly the smell that you get from kind of cutting a lemon peel or yeah. squeezing a zest of lemon peel over the top of a drink. It gives you all of this oil, all of this flavor, all of this brightness, um, and nothing's kind of cooked in the process. Right, okay. All right. Is it a common distillation? It's starting to be used a little bit more. It's a very kind of modern distillation process. It's not anywhere near as popular as, as traditional pot distillation, but particularly in this, this big gym revival we're going through, people are experimenting with it more and more. Right, okay. And experimenting with what different flavours they can get through it. So some people will use it for their entire product, some people will use it like us and use it alongside other distillation methods. Right. When you talk about lowering the pressure, do you mean the pressure within the still itself or...? Yeah, within the still. So it's a piece of equipment called a rotary evaporator. It's lots of things that sound quite... Uh, quite fancy but it's essentially a different type of still they tend to be a lot smaller and it's attached to a vacuum pump and it's everything in it is sealed so you're able to suck the air out and lower the pressure oh, okay. um, yeah. within the still itself okay six bells where does the name come from uh, so the six bells comes from a very kind of classic british nursery rhyme called the oranges and lemons say so the bells of saint clemens so saint clemens is a church uh, not too far from our distillery and it was kind of said that you weren't a true cockney unless you could hear the bells of St. Clement's from your house. And it's this famous nursery rhyme that I think 
really kind of resonates anyone who's grown up in Britain, particularly growing up in London. If you mention it to them the minute you say this first line of the nursery rhyme, they kind of click and remember it. Yeah. Um, and equally with a lot of our gins, we, we take kind of inspiration for our names from our local area and from the city of London. Um, being the only distillery here, it means that we can really kind of celebrate that fact. Um, so it's another little bit of kind of culture. It's another part of uh, London's history that we can integrate into our, into our gins. But um, the first one is the oranges and lemons, so the bells of St. Clement's. Yeah. Okay. So the six bells has orange and lemon in it. And that church is kind of a key, key part in the nursery rhyme. Right. So you talked about lemon being quite predominant with the six bells. What other botanicals do you highlight? So the juniper is really key in it. Kind of across all of our range, juniper is a very core thing. We like to celebrate that that is what makes gin gin and we really do bring it forward and everything. Equally, we use kind of fresh grapefruit in it. We use some dried orange, the same as our authentic, and we use coriander seed. So what all of these are doing are bringing different levels of citrus. So the coriander seed will bring more of a kind of peppery, slightly aromatic citrus. The dried orange will bring a kind of marmalade rich, caramelized citrus. Then the grapefruit brings a little bit of kind of very um, sweet, quite bright, quite rounded citrus. So as much as we're highlighting the lemon, we're using all these other botanicals to kind of add depth and add layers and add complexity on top of that. Okay. Uh, So the Six Bells was actually originally produced for Craft Gin Club. Um, so Craft Gin Club are a subscription service here in the UK. Right. So you sign up and every month you get sent a bottle of gin. And the idea is people can explore new gins. So they uh, actually approached and asked us to produce a very kind of summery, very bright, very fresh citrus-led gin. Yep. And it was in kind of looking at how we can really emphasize this freshness and really emphasize this bright kind of classic citrus that we started to look into vacuum distillation. Right. Um, pot distillation is always going to use a lot of heat. It's always going to kind of alter those flavors as much as you can get freshness. Vacuum distillation was really a way of stepping that up for us. If someone were to buy a bottle of the Six Bells, what would you suggest they do with it? How, how should they first use it? I think it's, it's very versatile. I think one of the best first things you can do with a gin is pour a little bit and have a taste and have a little kind of think about it. From there, it's very much how you like to drink it. I think it makes an amazing gin and tonic. It's really bright, it's really fresh. Martinis, I think it works particularly well in as well. It's got so much lemon, it's got so much kind of uh, bright, fresh oil content to it. But stirred down in a martini, it's very crisp, it's very dry, it's very clean. There's really no need for a garnish in it. I think it drinks almost as if it has a lemon twist on top. It's kind of that forward with that lemon. From there, I think start to experiment. Things like Dronies, we didn't expect it to be the best fit for it, but actually... I was about to say, I wouldn't have thought. We, we gave it a go alongside the Mercy and Orange that we really expected to fit it. And actually, they're both very different, but they're both fantastic. The Six Bells gives this layer of kind of brightness and this layer of kind of acidity underneath it that you don't normally associate with a Negroni. Okay. And it really kind of uplifts it and brings this new dimension to the drink. Right. Um, so I think start with something classic, start with something that you know and then start to integrate into drinks that you wouldn't expect. And I think we've been really surprised with it, how well it actually mixes and how versatile it is. So it's quite an adaptable gin. Yeah, I think it's, it's always going to shine through. You're always going to get a lot of that lemon. It's always going to bring a lot of brightness. But um, it really complements a lot of things. It really brings a new dimension to a lot of drinks that you wouldn't necessarily expect it to. Mm. Now, you talked about experimenting with it with a variety of classic cocktails. Mm -hmm. Did you guys actually invent any specific cocktails for that gin? 
Um, we've worked with a lot of different things. Um, we kind of have worked on twists on classics a lot with these gins to give people something kind of recognisable but also something new. So one place we found that the Six Bells really, really worked was in an aviation um, okay. alongside that kind of big floral note and the kind of nuttiness from the maraschino. Um, it really brought this brightness, it really uplifted the drink. So we kind of experimented with that a little bit and we found that switching out the maraschino for something like Cointreau or um, a dry curacao, a kind of more rich, dry orange liqueur, mm. bringing that into it brought again, like the way we produce a gin in Brigadines, another level and another kind of depth of citrus to it. And it becomes a really kind of complex, really interesting, but also super refreshing drink. Okay. Still get that beautiful colour, you still get that nice kind of floral note, but it just brings a lot of citrus and a lot of kind of layers of, of flavour. What has the reaction of bartenders been to that particular gin? It's been really good. It's, I think at the minute bartenders with gin, they've got so many kind of options. You've got to be offering them something exciting and you've got to be offering them something that immediately kind of after tasting it gets them keen to be making something with it. Um, I think the Six Bells was great because it really straddles that gap between traditional classic styles of gin and this very modern category of kind of flavoured gins. Um, It has a real emphasis on the lemon, it has a real kind of bold forward profile. But equally, it has a lot of juniper, it has a lot of classic flavours in there, and it's a very dry gin. So you see a lot of bartenders when I've talked to them, and kind of having bartended um, before this myself, it's a really exciting one to, to look at, firstly, how it works in drinks that you kind of expect it to, in citrus-led drinks, in drinks mm. where you want a brick lemon, lemon note. And like I said, with the kind of Negroni, and with drinks where you wouldn't expect it working, I think it's been really exciting to see bartenders putting it in slightly less expected drinks and finding that it works. So the response has been really good. I think it's, it's exciting to see people being very creative with it. Yeah. Seeing what we did a lot when we first got our hands on it was kind of spritzes and long drinks and Tom Collins. But then actually we started to realise that in kind of stirred down boozy drinks that you would normally associate with a more kind of woody a more kind of richly flavored gin actually it brought this new level to it things like vegetal notes um work fantastically with it we found that really marries very well with sherries um from kind of pheno sherries where that brightness and that freshness um, goes great with a little bit kind of savory note through to things like oloroso where you get a really nice kind of nuttiness um really gets uplifted and gets a kind of brightness from the gin that's very interesting okay have you experimented at all with food pairings for this gin? Yeah, so we found that the, the Six Bells goes nicely with kind of lighter dishes. So we, we looked at where it can slot in and one place that we found it really, really worked was with kind of Mexican food. Um, okay. The first things we tried it with was with some roasted pepper tacos. They were really kind of simple. We made an orange salsa, um, again, to bring a little bit of that kind of zesty, a little bit of that citrus into the food. Yeah. And it was really nice. It was a kind of light style a snack type dish brought with the gin, particularly in kind of cocktails, if you put it in a sour um, or in a Collins, something nice and sippable and bright and refreshing. Mm. It really paired fantastically together. Right, okay. Brand and the distillery have been going for nearly seven years. Mm-hmm. What do you think are the biggest hurdles for the brand at the moment? I mean, especially being a small craft. I think being a particularly the style that we are really kind of focusing on this tradition and the history and the more classic styles. I think there's always people who are going to want something very, very modern and they're going to want these kind of much more contemporary styles, which are not necessarily what we fit in. 
Um, but what we always try and do is, like with these newer ones, is offer something that kind of bridges that gap. Right. Offer something that actually can maybe give people something new to try. The amazing thing about these flavoured gins that, that we have at the moment, the fantastic thing about them for the category, is it's introduced an entirely new demographic of people to drinking gin and mm. to being excited about gin. Um, so we really wanted to offer something kind of in the middle, something that bridged that yeah. gap. And from there, we run a lot of sessions. I've done kind of uh, mark classes on gin history. We offer sessions where you can come and make your own gin at the distillery on our small stills. So we try and use that factor to overcome it and actually give people a bit of history and give people a little bit of context to what it is that we're doing. Right. But I mean, we've been going seven years, the, the kind of obvious hurdles of where we're located and being a small distillery, we've, we've found our ways to get around them and we've got our kind of unique method of working now. You talk about things like the Six Bells being sort of straddling both traditional and what some would call gateway gins. Do you think that that's the way forward? Do you think that that is how gin is going to, to move it? Um, um, I think it's, it's another part of it, really. I think those flavoured gins really bringing people into the category has been, been fantastic, and you'll always have... Um, that style of gin, I think that's a real core part of the category now. I think you'll also always have the classic London dries, the old Toms, that people like us who are producing very traditional styles. But for us, it was that kind of missing link in between that we really wanted to start to fill. And we wanted to offer a next kind of stepping stone for people who were starting to learn a bit more about where gin came from, starting to learn a bit more about the traditional styles, and they maybe wanted to move on to them. And it gives you that little stone in the middle, it gives you that little step for something else to try. I think we're going to see a lot more from gin. I think there's a lot more kind of innovation and exploration to be done with it. And I think we'll probably see more styles like that. Okay. So you think the um, Renaissance hasn't come to an end yet? I, I definitely not. I think people, people will say it, um, but I think gin has so much more to offer. I think people are still very excited about the category. People are still learning so much more um, and finding out new styles and they're finding new ways to work with botanicals, new ways to distill. Mm. I think there's a, a hell of a lot of life left in it. Okay. What are the future plans for um, City of London Distillery? Um, we are, we're constantly kind of experimenting. We have kind of small stills in the back where we can try new flavours, we can try new botanicals, mm. we're always... What are you experimenting with? Uh, so we have a few things coming. Um, we've been playing around with a navy strength. That's something we've been experimenting with and hopefully will be coming soon. We experimented a little bit with uh, distilling strawberries for a while that didn't kind of come to, to anything in the end, but actually we're constantly kind of seeing what we can do next. Nothing is announced yet, but yeah. hopefully soon. Okay, cool. Alrighty. What about your distribution? I mean, obviously you're available in the UK. Is, are you UK-wide? Yeah, we're UK-wide. We're in quite a lot of supermarkets. So we're, our rhubarb and rose is in Sainsbury's. We're available on Amazon. We're available from our online store that will ship UK-wide. Um, we also have our physical store in the distillery open every day except Sunday. Right. Um, from there, we're in 23 other countries. So oh, I was about to ask what's your international, so... Um, yeah, we're, we're spreading more and more. Um, being kind of a part of Halewood now has really given us a scope to kind of expand and get the gin out to more places and get it to new people. Right. We are in Canada. We were in Denmark recently for a gin festival that was really exciting to see how kind of huge the gin industry is over there and how popular okay. it is. And actually, City of London, how popular it was. So we, 
we're in Denmark for a few days. We went to a few supermarkets and saw our bottles on the shelves. We went and spoke to people about it, which was really great for us to see that actually in other countries it, yeah. is, it is becoming very popular. All right, Joe. Well, look, thanks for joining us. Thank you very much for coming down. Um, now, if people want more information, of course, they can go to your website, which is cityoflondondistillery.com. That's right. Or alternatively, find you on social under City of London Distillery. Absolutely. Instagram is, is the best place to kind of keep up to date with what we've got coming, if we've got events, if we've got new products, and then for any kind of bookings and to see what it is we do and what we're about, the website's a great place to look. Cool. All right. Amazing. Thanks very much then. Thank you very much. Cheers. And we'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of Cocktails Distilled. Be sure to visit cocktailcollective.com.au to access the show notes. And if you like what you've heard, we'd love you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes. Until next time, cheers. Cheers.